It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling Good morning. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We are a company that provides life-changing nutrition information. Today, we are going to be discussing a condition that affects up to one in five women, but is not talked about very much, and that condition is called postpartum depression. It's underdiagnosed and often left untreated. Many women are afraid to talk about how they are feeling and other women are not in the right frame of mind to even ask for help. This is a sensitive topic, but we feel it's a really important one that needs to be addressed. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist, and a mom of almost three-year-old Olivia. Wow, she's getting so big. I know. Can you believe it? She's almost three. You hear another voice in the studio. So joining me here today is Leah Wetzel. She's also a licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. And Leah is a mom as well, and yes. she's got an adorable son named Oliver, and he's, how old is he? He's a year and a half. Gosh, these right kids just grow I know so it. fast. I know it. And we often get our kids together, so it's yes. kind of fun to see them grow together. <laughs> it's really yeah. awesome. Thanks, Cara. It's great to be in the studio with you this morning. Today's topic is going to give much-needed information about the right nutrition, how right, the right nutrition can help moms to feel more like themselves again after childbirth. And into the first year of the baby's life. And because Lee and I are both fairly new moms, some of the challenges we have faced are fresh in our minds. Yes. So (laughs) we would like to give you some professional advice as well as some, you know, personal recommendations on how to get in all the nutrients that you need. You know, pregnancy and childbirth are often very positive experiences for women, but they are also depleting to the body and the mind. Yes, yep. <laughs> we need to make sure we're getting in all the vitamins, minerals, and essential fatty acids that are lost during pregnancy, childbirth, and breastfeeding. Yes. And the treatments usually recommended by doctors and midwives for postpartum depression are a combination of talk therapy, prescription medication, such as depre- antidepressants, and support groups for postpartum depression. The advice we are giving on today's show is not meant to replace advice from your doctor or your midwife, but it can be used in conjunction with anything that they are recommending. That's exactly right. And we find that by addressing the biochemical and hormonal imbalances, which can contribute to postpartum depression, that medications can work better if they're Mm -hmm. prescribed. And we'll explain more in this show later why that happens biochemically. If you are a mom, most likely your healthcare provider has talked to you about the term postpartum depression, and maybe you've heard about the baby blues. And I just want to clarify that they are different. The baby blues are very, very common. Up to 80% of mothers experience them. And this is considered a normal part of early motherhood. Yes, that's correct. And shortly after giving birth, Many mothers experience mood swings and have problems with eating or sleeping and feel a little anxious or depressed. These feelings are commonly called the baby blues and usually happen one to two days after delivery and normally go away within one to two weeks. 
So that's the baby blues. But then postpartum depression doesn't affect as many moms as the baby blues, but it's still prevalent. Recent studies show that as many as one in five women will develop symptoms of depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, or a combination of these. And that's within the first year after giving birth. So new moms are not just dealing with postpartum depression, but with a number of mental disorders. Yes. And, you know, during this show, it's I think it'll be easier. We're going to refer to it as postpartum depression. But we want you to realize that this can manifest in a lot of different ways, depending on the woman. Yes. And women with postpartum depression experience such intense feelings of sadness, anxiety or or fatigue that they often have troubles functioning and coping with daily tasks. So Leah and I are going to give some more specific symptoms of postpartum depression. Uh, symptoms may include feeling sad, anxious, or just kind of empty and dull, mm-hmm. having a lack of energy or a lack of motivation. Or lack of interest in normal activities, changes in sleeping or eating patterns. One mom with postpartum depression was awake for three days and nights and not just because her mm-hmm. baby was awake. So we know it's inevitable that there are going to be changes in sleeping patterns when you're a new mom. But when there's postpartum depression occurring, even if a mom has the chance to sleep, she may have ruminating thoughts that are keeping her awake and insomnia. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe on the flip side, she wants to sleep 24 hours a day. So these patterns are considered outside the norm for a new mom. Yeah, yeah. Other symptoms that could, uh, could be feeling hopeless, helpless, guilty or worthless and also feeling very moody and irritable or having trouble concentrating or making simple decisions are symptoms and the most concerning symptom of postpartum depression are when mothers are having thoughts about hurting their babies even if they are not going to act on it the thoughts are still there or thoughts of hurting themselves you know some mothers have thoughts about death or suicide Here are some quotes from um, women who experienced postpartum depression. This was my third baby, but it wasn't the happy, joyful experience I had expected. I felt anxious and irritable. I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning, and I didn't feel connected with my baby. Here's what another mom said with postpartum depression. I love children and couldn't wait to have my own. Then my husband went back to work, and I started having thoughts about hurting my baby. No matter what I did, I couldn't stop the thoughts. I lived in fear, but kept it a secret. Yeah. And any new mom can develop postpartum depression, but it's more likely to occur if a woman has a history of depression or a history of hormonal imbalance, Mm -hmm. such as um, premenstrual syndrome. A woman is also more likely to have postpartum depression if she has a stressful life event within a year of the childbirth. An illness, job loss, death in the family or a loved one. And these these stressful events can make that woman more susceptible. And also, Leah, you know, complications during pregnancy or delivery make postpartum depression more common. Yes. And women who have had cesarean sections are going to have a harder time usually feeling back to normal with their moods and their energy and their strength. It takes takes a lot longer. So going back to what we were talking about initially of, you know, how there can be like underdiagnosed, look at all of those connections, look at all of those mm-hmm. potential um, situations where that can be a trigger point for women. It's, it's, right. It's a lot of different factors. Yes, right. Definitely. So that are 
contributing play. to this. Yep. Yep. So let's explain how abrupt hormonal changes after giving birth can play a role in postpartum depression. During pregnancy, progesterone levels are very high, and progesterone is the hormone that maintains the pregnancy. In the third trimester, the placenta will be creating up to three to f- 300 to 400 milligrams wow. of progesterone per day. Which normal production is, when you're not pregnant, is quite lower than that. Right. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's a good point. Listeners yeah. might not know that that is a lot, but it's actually over 10 times the amount yeah. that would normally be made during yes. ovulation. Yeah. That's crazy. Estrogen and progesterone are the two most important hormones during pregnancy. Without them, the uterus would not enlarge for the fetus, the placenta would not form, and the support and support the baby, and the breast milk would not be produced. And then after delivery, you know, the placenta is removed. So keep in mind that the placenta was producing a lot Large of progesterone. Yes. So the new mother has to adjust to the new levels of progesterone, which fall to nearly zero after birth. Wow. So you could just see there with that huge hormonal fluctuation, how could you not be feeling, you know, those hormonal changes? Exactly. Yeah. Natural progesterone acts on the GABA receptors of the brain and acts as the same way as the medication Valium works. It's calming and it's a natural antidepressant. Women going from having these high amounts to almost nothing. Mm -hmm. Right after delivery, this happens. And, you know, levels of estrogen also drop after childbirth. But one of the issues is that the production of estrogen occurs much faster, while progesterone remains at a very low level. Yeah. And the reason for this is that estrogen gets produced by the ovaries and the adrenal glands and also from the body fat. The more weight a woman is carrying, the more estrogen she is producing. But progesterone is different because it's only produced by the ovaries, well, during ovulation, and the adrenal glands. Those are the two places that progesterone is produced. But if you think about it, after delivering a baby, the only source of progesterone in the body is coming from the adrenal glands because, you know, we're not ovulating right after delivery. Yes. Oh, one thing that I wanted to just add, Leah, is that, you know, with if a mom is nursing, yes, then she's not typically ovulating. That's right. And so then not producing progesterone. That's right. So that's right. Estrogen and progesterone are supposed to counterbalance each other. After delivery, women tend to be out of balance with estrogen levels, much higher in comparison to progesterone. This is called estrogen dominance and can cause depression, anxiety, panic attacks and, and crying spells. And so we are going to have to take a break. Yes. We'll talk more about what estrogen dominance looks like when we come back. Um, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Our show today is focused on the serious topic of postpartum depression. Additionally, I want to let listeners know that there is a severe form of postpartum depression. It's called postpartum psychosis. Most of these episodes are related to a bipolar disorder or a major depression. But it's really important to know that this can happen to any woman after delivering a baby. Approximately 1 in 1,000 women will experience this mental disorder. That's compared to um, 1 in 5 with postpartum depression. When we come back, Leah will talk more about the symptoms of postpartum psychosis. And if you have a question for us today, please give us a call at 651-641-1071. When my family starts with, what's for dinner, what's for dinner, sometimes I feel the answer is a plate of desperation with a big side of stress. 
With no plan, it's too easy to hit the drive-thru or the deli for a meal that's overpriced and overprocessed. But now there's an answer to the daily dining dilemma, the Weight and Wellness Way Cookbook and Nutrition Guide. Because it's a cookbook, it's got recipes sure to become family favorites. Because it's a nutrition guide, it explains how to eat for good health. You'll feel good, too, eating real food that tastes delicious. The nutrition educators at Nutritional Weight and Wellness have helped thousands of people use nutrition science to feel their best. And now you can find their wisdom summed up in one book. Then the next time they start with, what's to eat? You can say wild rice meatballs or easy almond chicken or an egg bake for brunch. Real food and real nutrition will make it real easy with the Weight and Wellness Cookbook and Nutrition Guide. Get your copy for $24.95 at any Nutritional Weight and Wellness location or online at weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Leah Wetzel, licensed nutritionist, and I'm here in the studio with Car Carper, who's also a licensed nutritionist. Before break, Cara brought up the condition called postpartum psychosis. The symptoms include delusions, hallucinations, or obsessive thoughts about the baby. There's often paranoia and suspiciousness and rapid mood swings. With postpartum psychosis, the risk of suicide is as high as 5%, and up to 5% will attempt to harm or kill their baby. This type of postpartum mental disorder is considered a psychiatric emergency that often requires hospitalization. If you are a new mom with these types of thoughts or you know somebody who may have these signs, please make sure you or the person you know seeks help immediately from a professional. So that's a very, obviously a very serious mental disorder and you know, I don't feel like we are qualified to make recommendations for that. Yes. Um, you know, we are talking more about postpartum depression, but which I think is it, one in yeah, five. five, which is still very high. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very, I mean, this is a very serious topic, mm-hmm. but I think that it's, it's, it's really good to talk about it because mm-hmm. with, with having these serious conditions, a lot of times people would prefer not to verbalize what they're experiencing mm-hmm. um, and maybe not seek help when it would be very appropriate to do so. And that's the feeling that I got when I was doing a lot of research yes. on the topic is that women are afraid to talk about it or yep. maybe they're in their minds, they're thinking, oh, this is just a normal part yep. of being a new mom. Everyone is stressed out. And that's why we were trying to, you know, give definitive symptoms yes. that a lot of those things really are outside of the norm yes. and, and do require getting prof- that's professional right. involved. So, that's right. So back yeah. to estrogen dominance. Estrogen dominance. Yeah. Leah was talking about that before the break. And so she had said that um, some symptoms would be, you know, of estrogen dominance are depression, anxiety, panic attacks, crying spells. If a woman is feeling this way either immediately after delivery or even within the first year after childbirth, we recommend that she use a natural progesterone cream. And a very reputable brand is called Emerita Progest. Yes, great brand. It's a really high quality product and it's a low gives a low dose of progesterone. So it does not require a prescription. We actually sell it at our offices. Yeah. It contains about 20 milligrams of progesterone per quarter teaspoon. And you massage it into your skin in a couple, you know, a couple times a day. And, and typically what I suggest is kind of thin areas of your skin. So like your wrists, mm-hmm. um, maybe your chest, your neck, your innards of your thighs. And I, I like to tell people to, to rotate those areas because I think it ha- tends to help with absorption. 
Progesterone came really helped me to go from crying nonstop post delivery to more of a normal state. I had a traumatic birth experience and due to a lengthy labor, a surgery and no sleep for almost four days, I was extremely fatigued, anxious and depressed. Um, I was in the hospital for a few days and I didn't personally contact anyone. Even after we got home, I had my husband contact close friends and family I think Olivia was five or six days old when I finally called work to let, I remember to let you guys know yeah, I about remember. the birth. Yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone was waiting and, and concerned because yeah. they hadn't heard anything. And I remember being in my backyard and calling Dara on her cell phone. She picked up right away. I was trying to tell her the birth story, but I was crying the whole time. And after listening to my story, she said, are you using progesterone cream? <laughs> that sounds like Dara. <laughs> <laughs> it hadn't even occurred to me to use progesterone cream, but I did have some at home because I was using it during the pregnancy. So I immediately started using it twice a day, and I found myself not crying constantly yeah. like I had been before. Um, can't say that things were great after that, but I could function at yeah. least. That's great. So Thanks for helpful. sharing that. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. <laughs> it's very helpful for people to hear. and. Uh, well, and kind of relating to that, Dr. Thomas Hilger at the Institute of Human at Study of Human Reproduction found that progesterone significantly decreases the following symptoms, depression, fatigue, crying, anxiety, helplessness, strange thoughts, poor appetite, and night sweats. Now, while I was pregnant, um, I used progesterone cream um, for my first and second trimester, and I had a mm-hmm. really really easy um, pregnancy. I was very fortunate for that. And I think that was a contributing factor for that, mm-hmm. um, which then helped me carry through um, to post-birth. Sure. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was reading literature about when, you know, pregnant moms are using progesterone during the pregnancy that they have a, less of a chance of, of postpartum depression. Yeah. So that's great. Yep. Because progesterone acts on the GABA receptors in the brain, it's great for sleeping as well. You know, we often will have people use it before bed, especially like perimenopause, menopause. But it doesn't have to be, you know, during those times. We're obviously recommending it today for hormone balance. But I'd like to talk more about sleep now and how sleep deprivation can exacerbate postpartum depression. So Leah and I both understand that new moms are just not going to get the quantity or quality of sleep they did pre-baby. But there are some things that you can do to help. Uh, for example, I used to have a lot of sleep issues. So when I became pregnant, I was really kind of panicked about how was I going to get my sleep after Olivia was born. So what I did when I was pregnant is I went out and shopped for blackout blinds. I got a white noise machine, um, an eye mask to block out light and earplugs. So after she was born, you know, I, of course, I didn't use like the white noise or the earplugs if I was home alone with her. Yes. Um, But if somebody was there to help with her for a few hours during the day, I would go straight to my room and use all of my, I call them sleeping props. Yes. (laughs) You know, I would, you know, put the fan on, shut the blinds, put the earplugs in. I was extremely susceptible to being depressed and anxious in those early months. So this added sleep was really, really critical. It just wasn't an option for me to be awake and trying to be getting things done around the house because 
my sanity was at stake and sleep trumped all of that. Oh, I can totally <laughs> relate to that. No question about it. Yeah. Can um, you talk about it? Yeah, your, I would love to share. Experience. So um, for me, I, you know, I pre-baby, I really, I, I would say as a champ sleeper, I would, you know, solid <laughs> nine hours. I could get in with mm-hmm. no problem whatsoever. Um, but uh, Oliver, my son, um, has not quite been the best sleeper. Um, and um, that was really, um, for a long time, a really big struggle for us. And for a long period of time, um, he was getting up every 90 minutes. Wow. So with with that, so my sleep was being disrupted every 90 minutes for, for months um, on end. And um, it was quite an eye-opener for me as far as for relation to people that struggle around sleep, mm-hmm. what that, how that really can impact your health mm-hmm. as far as um, a night of, of, of waking every 90 minutes um, when I'd finally get up for the day and have to, you know, either and function, function yeah, and take care, take of, care Oliver, of him work. or ultimately end up having to work mm-hmm. um, more, you know, anxiety, um, so, you know, very much more stress, harder time. I feel even while I'm eating very healthily, you know, I'm mm-hmm. eating a balance of protein, fats and carbs, balancing my blood sugar. Um, it really can impact your life in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it can be debilitating. It can. And, you know, I think most moms can relate to that. But every new mom is going to have a different experience. That's right. And unfortunately, you were only able to sleep an hour and a half at a time, yep. which. And we'll talk when we come back from break about um, kind of what that does <laughs> for the body. Exactly. Um, and then to help you know, give us, give some suggestions, um, to help improve sleep. If, you know, if it's allowed, is it time for us to take a break? All right. (laughs) Uh, well, first I would like to mention that we have an exciting class opportunity for you coming up in July. We'll be offering our weekend weight and wellness series, July 25th through the 27th. It's 12 hours of classes that are normally spread out over a six week period. But because some people are not able to attend weekly classes and that's not convenient for them, we are offering this information condensed into a Friday night and Saturday and Sunday days. I'll be, I'll be teaching so, in one of those Oh, you classes. will? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's so, Leah, you probably know that this includes a lunch on Saturday. I do. It's and pretty a delicious. snack on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you want to get rid of joint pain, digestive troubles, lower your blood pressure, or lose weight, This series will help you understand the connection between what you eat and how it affects your health, cravings, and metabolism. So you can sign up on our website, weightandwellness.com, or you can call our office, 651-699-3438. And we encourage you to call in today with any questions, 651-641-1071. Welcome back. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you today by Nutrition, Weight, and Wellness. And I am Leah Wetzel, here with Cara Carper. Postpartum depression is our topic for today. An article that was released a couple weeks ago on June 15th in the New York Times, the article about postpartum depression um, was told stories about several moms and their experience with the condition. It's a pretty raw article, and these women share their innermost thoughts and behaviors during their frightening times. I highly recommend reading this article to get a sense of what it looks like. We posted the article on our Facebook page. So if you go to our Weight and Wellness Facebook page, 
and you have Facebook, you could find it there. And if not, you can also find it on the New York Times website. It's from June 15th of this year, and it's called Thinking of Ways to Harm Her. Did you read that article? I did read that article. Yeah, it's It's, pretty intense. It is. But it really gives you an idea of what's going on in these moms' heads. Again, really appreciating them sharing that information to help others. Yeah, it's very brave of them to have written and interviewed about those things. That's right. Um, Well, we were talking about sleep and lack of sleep. Lack of sleep being a new mom. Yes. I do remember at Olivia's three-week checkup with my midwife, uh, the midwife told me, she said, that the magic number of sleep, like hours in a row to get when you're a new mom, is three to four hours to ensure like a good quality REM. Yeah. And I know, unfortunately, you were not able no, to get and, that. No, and you kind of brought that to my attention, which helped me feel, normalize my situation. I remember I had had a bad night and then we had gotten together with Oliver and Olivia mm-hmm. and you had shared that information with me and it really helped me like just have that understanding of that. Yeah. My Maybe every why minute. you weren't, you were <laughs> feeling so fatigued or stressed. Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. And for some women who nurse and I was nursing at the time. Um, and that was really one of the driving uh, uh, connections with the, the waking so often mm-hmm. at that point. Um, you know, they need to nurse more frequently, like me. They can't get those hours. They can't get the three to four hours of sleep in a row. Mm-hmm. Or if they have a colicky baby or, you know, not the, a baby like Oliver that wasn't sleeping, it, this is really can be very difficult in some cases not possible. Mm-hmm. To get the three to four yes. hours in a row. Yeah. yeah. But if you can get a couple of sessions of sleep in a 24-hour period of three to four hours long, this will be much more restorative than these short every, you know, every 90 minutes or whatever that would be um, with your baby. And so if you are a new mom that has a few hours that you can potentially sleep and maybe you fall asleep okay but are waking up frequently, we just want to give some tips about about this yes. situation. That actually can be from low blood sugar. It's the being able to fall asleep, but then waking mm-hmm. up. It so, can be very challenging in early pregnancy. Or I'm sorry, in uh, post-pregnancy. As a new mom, yeah, yeah, definitely. We recommend eating a snack before going to sleep, regardless of what time it is. Yes. And we recommend something with a healthy fat and a carbohydrate. Some of my favorite combinations are half of a banana with some almond butter or yes. peanut butter. That was a great or, one. you know, we always talk about <laughs> berries with heavy whipping cream. Yep. And sometimes I'll have berries with canned coconut milk. I like, do too. You do? You? Yeah. Like, I have like a quarter cup yep. of canned coconut milk. Or you could put some cream cheese on celery or apple slices. We're going to talk a lot more about blood sugar in just a minute too. Yes, yes. And just to kind of reiterate with that, like the, I always need my bedtime snack, but I found it crucial when I was, you know, in the process of being that new mom. Did you? Oh, yes. No That really question. helped you? With, yeah. When okay. I could get the sleep, it allowed me to get that sleep. That's great because you mm-hmm. want to prevent the wake-ups if at all yeah. possible. <laughs> and if you're a nursing, if you're a new nursing mom, you just have so much more need and you need you need to support mm-hmm. your blood sugar mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to, again, to support that good sleep at night. Right. 
Another additional support for sleep, um, we we often recommend, and this is something that I definitely did as a new mom, is to take magnesium in one particular form, magnesium glycinate. And about 400 to 600 milligrams, about a half an hour before bedtime is really relaxing. It can help with both falling asleep and staying asleep. And I use, I mean, I use it now. Yeah, I, I do too. I used it throughout the pregnancy. Yeah. I used it as after Olivia was born. So yep. magnesium is a relaxing mineral. Most Americans are deficient in this mineral. So it's a great one to add in as a supplement if you're having sleep difficulties. There's so many other benefits as well of yes. taking magnesium. Because it's calming and relaxing, it can help reduce anxiety and things like muscle tightness. So if anxiety is a problem for you, you can spread that dose of magnesium out throughout the day. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. all just before sleeping. That's right. As Cara mentioned, um, avoiding those low blood sugars to avoid the wake-ups of sleep. But balancing blood sugar is really important also throughout the day as well. And low blood sugars can lead to a number of postpartum depression symptoms. Low blood sugar can lead to anxiety, depression, Fatigue, irritability, shakiness, obsessive behaviors, foggy thinking, and, you know, an inability to concentrate, and even panic attacks. Anyone can experience these symptoms of low blood sugar, but new moms really are at a higher risk and need to be very careful about keeping blood sugar balanced. That's right. That's right. And low blood sugar happens from not balancing out meals and snacks with protein, fat, and carbohydrates. With a new baby in the house, you know, new mothers often are focusing on the baby. And when you're doing that, you're skipping meals. You know, potentially you're just looking for something that's quick and easy. So more processed snacks, maybe fast food or to-go food. And these processed convenience types of things like cereal, bagels, muffins, crackers, chips, granola bars, sandwiches, pasta, and fast food french fries really can create a blood sugar spike. The spikes of blood sugar can lead to overproduction of insulin, and then shortly after that, you have a crash in blood sugar. And it's that crash that is going to cause the low moods, the low energy, and everything that we just talked about. Yes, which uh, a lot of crossover with the symptoms with postpartum depression. Right, so So, you want to, like, take away these potential factors that could be making postpartum worse. worse. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. With low blood sugar, women will be less patient with a crying baby, Mm -hmm. more irritable towards a partner or other children. And so you combine this with sleep deprivation, hormonal shifts. It's a bad combination if you also have low blood sugar. Yes. So we recommend the balance of the protein, healthy fat, and carb. Um, And we also recommend eating every three to four hours. So typically this is going to be three meals and two or three snacks in a day. And again, I would say as far as my experience goes, um, you know, I do pay attention to doing what I can to keep my blood sugar balanced. But early mom, you know, just as all of what you said at play, um, I really had to focus mm-hmm. and and take that time to eat. Otherwise, I, I, I definitely had noticed the differences in blood sugar. So I feel it's probably those, more pronounced. It's nor- yeah, time. definitely more pronounced. Mm-hmm. And so um, really important to, to keep that in mind. And new mother's bodies have just that higher need for 
healthy fats and unprocessed carbohydrates and proteins, first of all, you know, protein is a building block for very important things called neurotransmitters, which are chemicals in our bodies and brains that help with our moods. Chemicals like serotonin and dopamine, protein breaks down into these ingredients that are building blocks for these very important Mm -hmm. brain chemicals, and they allow our bodies to make more serotonin and dopamine. So examples of these good proteins that are making serotonin and dopamine would be chicken, turkey, eggs, maybe some fish, red meat. Dairy products are also high in protein, like cottage cheese, yogurt, cheese, and also whey protein powder. That's right. That's right. And just to explain a little bit more about these brain chemicals, when people go on medications for depression and anxiety, they are often going on medications called SSRIs, like Prozac or Zoloft. For some people, these medications really work. And for for others, they either do not work or they may carry um, with them some negative side effects. The great thing about adding in more protein into the diet is it actually can help make more happy brain chemicals like serotonin. So that's one way to get the right nutrition that can work in conjunction with a medication. Oftentimes medications will work better or the need for them will be less if we're adding more foods that are the building blocks Mm -hmm. for serotonin. Great tip. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think? It's already break time. It's time for our last break. We have been talking about postpartum depression today and nutritional solutions to reduce the symptoms of this illness. The Journal of American Psychiatric Nurses Association published a study in 2010. It was actually the first time a study had looked at the relationship between vitamin D levels and postpartum depression. And the study tracked 97 postpartum women who had their vitamin D tested, and they took their levels... And I'm sorry, I totally am missing a page oh, on no, this that's study. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. Could and the, you take so over? the women with a with a low vitamin D at higher scores on the screening test for postpartum depression. So I'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back from break. And you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Questions, please call the studio, and we'll be right back. At the end of a busy day, it can be tough to get motivated to get out the door for another obligation. And once you're cozy at home, who wants to go back out? But you still want to work on ways to feel better, and nutritional weight and wellness can make that easier. Right now, their popular Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods class is available online, so you can balance your time, too. This class shows you how to use real food to reduce negative moods, increase energy, improve memory, and manage stress. And did I mention it's delicious? Get the same breakthrough coursework taught by the experts at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, but from your home and on your schedule. Learn how to feel better with the Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods class and do it in your slippers and sweatpants. Sign up today. Go to weightandwellness.com and register in a snap. It's online learning from Nutritional Weight and Wellness that helps you balance your time, too. Go to weightandwellness.com. What are you waiting for? Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Leah Wetzel, and I'm here with Cara Carper. The study on vitamin D that Cara was talking about before break found a significant relationship between high EPDS scores, which is Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Scale, 
basically a test that women take to determine whether or not they have postpartum depression and low vitamin D levels. It's a simple blood test to do to have your vitamin D levels checked, and we recommend that pregnant moms and new moms get their levels checked. If your levels are below 50, the best way to raise your vitamin D is to take a quality vitamin D3 supplement. It is difficult to get adequate vitamin D from food sources and from the sun. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, ideally we would be getting vitamin D from food and sun, and we don't have a ton of time to talk about that today, but yeah. it's basically it's in like cold water fatty fish. Yep. You need to Organ be, meats. yeah, and then you need to be in the sun like at prime sun hours with half your body exposed. 70%, no I think. So that's like, is it? A, yeah, it's, it's like, okay. a, a t- like a tank top and shorts, they would say, okay. would be you know enough exposure. Um, and they, you know, at least 15 minutes in the high noon, uh, yeah. several times a week. Which, throughout the year. Through, yeah. yeah. We, we <laughs> unfortunately, where we live um, in Minnesota, we don't have enough of the year to, mm-hmm. to sustain our vitamin D levels. Right. Hence the deficiencies that are so common. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Leo, you were talking about how protein provides the building blocks yes. to make serotonin and dopamine, yes. those happy brain chemicals. That's right. Protein also helps balance blood sugar. But even more important for balancing blood sugar is healthy fat. Yes, yes. Healthy fat keeps the blood sugar from crashing. And examples of good fats would be nuts, you know, almond butter or peanut butter as well, avocados, butter, coconut oil, olive oil and olives, canned coconut milk and heavy whipping cream. Yes, we definitely don't recommend low-fat eating in general, but especially for new moms struggling with postpartum depression or anxiety, a low-fat diet could be detrimental for mood, and we need that healthy fat to balance our hormones and our and you know our, our bodies as well. Yeah, many new moms start their journey into motherhood depleted in a number of vitamins, minerals, and essential fatty acids, and those processed carbohydrates that we talked about that Leah was talking about some of those snacky foods, yes, like cereal, bagels, granola breads, bars, yeah. chips, things like that. Those are void of nutrients, and they actually deplete vitamins, minerals, and essential fatty acids. That's interesting. Even more. Yeah. Yeah. It's because sugar and processed carbohydrates leach these things out of the body. Yeah, leach those minerals and vitamins. Yeah. So moms need a lot of, you know, carbohydrates coming from vegetables and fruits and healthier sources of the starches, like, you know, not crackers and cookies and things like that, but Sweet potatoes, yeah. carrots, rice, brown rice or wild rice, yes, quinoa. Other starches should be fine in moderation, like a piece of toast, a wrap or tortilla, or or healthy crackers that don't have trans fats. Um, one of my favorites is actually blue the Blue Diamond brand. Yeah, they have nothing. You can find those at a lot of stores. Yeah, most stores should carry those. Yeah. So let's give an example of balanced meals. I think that can be helpful to kind of get an idea of what you're looking for. A breakfast, you know, that could really keep your blood sugar balanced could be two to three eggs cooked in butter, you know, a piece of of toast with or a piece of fruit. Um, I really, you know, I also really like the protein shake recipe on our website. We have it on our website if you wanted to check out a really good one at weightandwellness.com. Um, it's easy to make and only has a few ingredients. 
yogurt, whey protein powder, fruit, you know, in that canned coconut milk. Yeah, I still drink these on a regular basis, and I give them to Oliver as well. And he, he gets them quite a bit. And when he drinks them, um, he gets to shake all over his face. So I Shake often, face. Yeah, I call him shake face. And most days he has shake Oliver's face. shake face. Yes. It's adorable, by the way. Yes. <laughs> a couple of balanced snack ideas would be cottage cheese. That would be the protein. The carbohydrate could be berries. And the fat could be sunflower seeds. Great. Or you could put some cream cheese, mayonnaise, or avocado. Those are all healthy fats. Uh, put that on some nitrate-free deli meat and make like a turkey roll-up. And then for the carbohydrate, just add some carrots or maybe a piece of fruit with that. That's great. And if possible, to have help. Help is very important and, and kind of crucial when you're a new mom. With the grocery shopping and any cooking, especially, you know, after birth and those, you know, those first couple months, they can be really challenging to, to be prepared with a lot of really healthy foods. So meals and snacks, you know, really don't have to be gourmet, but they need to have that protein, fat, and carbohydrate to help with energy and mood. I had a friend, my friend who um, is going to, she's doing a couple weeks actually, for a shower gift. I thought this was a fantastic idea. Instead of a lot of registry for, for gift items, she actually had a registry of help. So, oh, that's great. I've heard about that Yeah, before. yeah. So she registered for people to make her meals mm-hmm. or help with cleaning or whatever or help with child care so she can get some those that important three to four hours of sleep. Right. Oh, that's um, great And she got idea. a lot of, lot of support with that. So she's well stocked for those first couple of months, mm-hmm. I think. She probably needs that more than an extra, like, yes. onesie. Yeah, she got a lot of hand-me-downs for me. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, she doesn't need a ton of those. Yeah, that's right. So I think... Things like that. Just don't be afraid to ask for help um, because you really do need it. If mm-hmm. it's possible, you really could use the help right the away. The food part is just so critical yes. at the beginning. Yes. It's always important, but especially for a new mom, just That's right. getting in the right nutrients. I remember when Olivia was first born, I used to make a lot of wraps like for a lunch. Great. I would put tuna salad or salmon salad together and basically just canned tuna with mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, if I had the energy, I might even add celery and onion. <laughs> but I would just put that in a wrap with some yeah. lettuce. And I mean, that took like five minutes. So Yeah. And I, and other ones, you know, healthier, like faster food that I did a lot of um, right away was those rotisserie chickens. We may mm-hmm. run to the grocery to get a rotisserie chicken. Um, you know, salad bar. You could, you know, with protein, you could get chicken, turkey, egg, cheese, um, chicken salad from, a, a, you know, a deli, like the at Whole Foods or mm-hmm. one of, a co-op deli, pre-made with you know hard-boiled eggs. You know, I really uh, asked for a lot of too help with some meals, and I I looked for some of those like soup or I I had a lot of people made the the chili recipe that we have. Oh, I suppose um, you could even freeze that. Then, freeze it. Yep. Yeah, so I had a lot of it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just make it really quick and easy, so I could make it when I needed it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good tips. Yeah. I want to clarify that everything we're talking about in the show does apply to moms who are nursing and moms who are using formula. So the foods and supplements mentioned today are safe during nursing. Yes. Nursing moms do need more nutrients, though, and typically will need about four to 500 more calories per day. Just kind of an FYI. Yes. 
And everyone needs a lot of water, especially, you know, which is easy to forget when you're so busy taking care of a newborn, but at least eight to 10 glasses. Dehydration can cause fatigue, headaches, low mood. Nursing moms need a gallon of water per day. Mm-hmm. And remember that if you are nursing, your little one is taking nutrients from you via your breast milk. That's why it's a good idea when breastfeeding to continue taking a prenatal vitamin, but also to take the omega-3 fatty acid called DHA. Which I took, and I still take, actually. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I took it while pregnant, while nursing. Yeah. But the baby has needs for all these nutrients. So if moms are depleted of B vitamins or omega-3 DHA, they have a higher chance of postpartum depression and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great information. Um, and I think those are kind of key ner- n- nutrients um, that um, really can be helpful um, with with while pregnant mm-hmm. and um, post-pregnancy. So we probably, I don't think we have time to talk about this study, but there was a study that um, had mo- new moms taking 300 milligrams of DHA yep. um, almost every day, and they had a much lower incidence of postpartum depression okay, yeah. than the women who were not taking yeah, that's it. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, you know, I think we should probably start wrapping up the show here. We have a, just a minute left, but I want to just summarize that it's not one factor that's contributing to postpartum depression. Yep. It's often many factors. So, We really encourage you as a new mom to be looking at all of the different things we talked about. Look at possible hormonal imbalance and adding in progesterone cream. Get as much sleep as you can, three to four hours at a time. Balance your blood sugar. Take omega-3 DHA and a good multivitamin and get your vitamin D checked. And we wish you all luck as new moms. And thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.